You can be seated if you're not already. Some of you are still wanting to stand back there. JB, I'm moving all your stuff. That means you have to rearrange when you get back up here, all right? Hey, I want to say thank you to JB. I want to tell you why. Well, to the whole crew up here, everybody did a great job. But I want to tell you why I especially want to say thank you to JB. Because we learned a great lesson from him today. You know, even though his mother is in Asia, they are half a world apart. Both of them felt that it was important to be together and to have Bible study together. How many of you have Bible study with your kids and you see them every day? I mean, I, I can't say that. And that they together looked at the Word and encouraged each other. So, J.B., I just want to say thank you for a lesson that you taught us today, a lesson that we all need to learn about one connection and about the importance of family and about uh, just that time you spent together with your mom. So, so I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You know, we've been in this series of messages both here in Middletown uh, about being together, about one another. And so I get to close this out here. Stephen's closing this out in Middletown today. And so we decided to kind of uh, switch places. And I love being here. I love coming to Mason. I love being a part of the family here and all that we're able to do together. Some of you I've met maybe for the first time. You've just started coming to Access Mason, so we have not had the opportunity to say hello yet. And so I just want to say good morning to you. I'm glad you're here, and it's nice to meet you. I'm Mark. I'm the old man in the family. Stephen's the kid. So with me, you get the old reliable. With him, you get the new improved. So I don't know which you prefer, the old reliable or the new improved, but uh, that's kind of the way it works. Hey, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6 today. So if you want to look at your Bibles, you can. If you want to look at some of the scriptures we'll have on the screen. But we're going to look in Galatians chapter 6 here in a little while as we talk about bearing one another's burdens. You know, we have a lot of questions right now about school, don't we? Some school systems are going back to school. Some districts are not going back. Some are virtual. Some are doing all kinds of things that we've never even heard of before when it comes to learning. There are even some school districts that don't know what they're doing yet. Are you in one of those one of those districts where they're going, I, I'm not sure what we're doing yet, and school's supposed to start two weeks from now. Remember the good old days of school when you used to be able to get together and you didn't have to social distance? When you were able to sit next to the person and you were able to poke the person that sat in front of you? Or maybe you remember when you used to do group lessons together. I used to love to do group lessons together. You know what a group lesson is? That's where you have four, six, maybe eight people, and you put all your desks right together, and you work on a project together. Of course, I always loved it because in that group somewhere, there was probably a brainiac or something. You know, somebody whose coattails I could ride on so I didn't have to do all the work. I loved it because we all got exactly the same grade. It didn't make any difference how much work I did or didn't do. All of us got exactly the same grade, so I loved it. Now, if you were the brainiac in that group, you probably did not like it at all because you knew everybody else was riding on your coattails and you thought that you ought to get a better grade than them because you did all of the work. But I used to love those things because we worked together in a group. We underperformed together or we overperformed together. We built each other up, and we encouraged each other, and we got the assignment done. In general, being in a group is good, but sometimes it can be kind of grating, too. 
sometimes it can be tough to be in a group. About a month ago, I listened to a podcast in which the speaker made a, a statement that I can't get out of my mind. I'm going to change it a little bit, but basically the statement went like this. Spiritual growth is a group project. Now let that one sink in for a minute. Spiritual growth is a group project. Now oftentimes we think it's my responsibility to grow spiritually. It's my responsibility to make sure that I am at the level I need to be and I'm growing as Christ wants me to grow. But I want you to think about it. It's really a group project. Let me explain that a little bit. There are almost 60 occurrences of the phrase one another in the New Testament. Over 60 times, the Bible talks about a group, together, working, doing, encouraging, doing what Christ wants us to do, lifting each other up, carrying one another's burdens. As a matter of fact, in the last several weeks, you've heard Andrew and Stephen and Josh talk about some of those things. We've talked about loving one another and be devoted to one another and honor one another, live in harmony, build one another up, admonish one another, bear one another, comfort one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, over and over again. There are these statements and phrases about a group being together. One of the things that we have learned, I think, with this whole coronavirus COVID thing is the value of together. You know, it's been tough, hasn't it? It's been tough to be stuck in your home. It's been tough to try to social distance. It's been tough not to see the people that you like. It's been tough not to be in groups. It's been hard. We have learned, if nothing else, the value of together. And whether you like it or not, we are all involved in the same group project. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, we are all members of one another. In other words, we're together. He said the same kind of idea when you get to Galatians. In Galatians chapter 6, let me just read this for you. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourselves, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now you listen to that and you go, wait a minute, what in the world is he talking about? Well, maybe help if we backtrack a little into chapter 5 of the book of Galatians. Because in chapter 5, he really sets the stage for what he's about to say in the first part of chapter 6. In chapter 5, he says this, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. What do you think the problem was going on? They were having some internal strife, weren't they? There were some things going on where people weren't getting along quite like they should. And Paul's saying, you know, if you do that, watch out because it's going to hurt you too. In verse 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Verse chapter 26, he talks about the body, if we're going to be together. So in other words, he's saying, hey, listen, folks, we are in this together. We cannot stand alone. And as much as we tried during the time when we did not meet together as a church body to kind of stay connected and stay together, 
and to grow spiritually, it was hard. It was tough. And it's because we missed that encouragement and that togetherness that we have where we bear one another and we are with one another and we are sharing with one another. So what I want to do this morning is I want to walk you through a thought process. A thought process that really Paul lays out for us in this part of Galatians chapter 6 in the first few verses. And it is a process where he teaches us somewhat a group assignment. And this assignment has four parts to it. And we together work on this assignment. So if you want to write some things down, I'll tell you what to write down as we go along this morning, all right? Here's the first thing to write down to kind of think about what we're doing, and that is this. We need to restore the broken. We need to restore the broken. He starts this whole section in verse 1. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgressions, who you, are spirit, who you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. In other words, if someone has fallen, the group should help to lift them up. If someone has fallen away, the group should help bring them back. You know, in this time of, of COVID and coronavirus, it has been very easy to kind of slip away. You know, there's no accountability, there wasn't accountability when we really weren't getting together. You know, nobody was going to pick up the phone on Sunday afternoon and say, hey, I missed you this morning at worship time. And so it was easy to kind of slide away. But now it's our responsibility as the group to help encourage each other, to bring each other back, to help lift each other up again. It's interesting that when Paul writes this little section of Scripture, he uses the term brothers. Now today, we'd probably have to use brothers and sisters, right? We'd have to use uh, both masculine and feminine in this. But the idea is we are a family together. I oftentimes refer to and talk about the church as a family because that's exactly what we are. We are all together in the family of God. And he says, uses a little word that says caught. He says, if you are caught in any transgression, there's an interesting little thought process behind that story. We oftentimes think of caught as someone who did something and then someone else found out what they did, right? If you actually go back and look at this little word, that's not what it means at all. It is the idea of someone or something who is entrapped as a fish who was caught in a net or a bird who was caught in a trap some way or another. They were going along and things were going great and all of a sudden they were entrapped by something. It was not a matter of being caught by somebody else. It was just simply a matter of being entrapped. And he says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, isn't that exactly what Satan wants to do? He wants to entrap us. He really doesn't care if somebody else catches you. He just wants to entrap you. He wants to get hold of you. He wants to pull you away. And then he goes on in this verse and he says, those of you who are spiritual. You is not singular there, by the way. It is plural. It is not one person going to another person saying, can I help you out of this trap that you're in? It is all of us collectively, plural, 
helping to encourage someone who has been entrapped, someone who has fallen, someone who is struggling. Paul says, you who are spiritual, help encourage them. You know, the one who's fallen, they need encouragement. The one who has fallen needs somebody to come alongside and say, let me help you. The one who has fallen needs somebody to be there to help lift them up. They don't need somebody to say, you've done wrong. They already know that. They don't need somebody to kind of push them away. They need somebody that's there to help encourage them and lift them up and to restore them. Restoring means bringing back to its former condition. My dad, as many of you know, before he passed away a few years ago, loved cars. My dad was a car fanatic, and he loved to restore cars. And so he would take a car that was not its former self, and he would work on it, and he would restore it, and he would rebuild the engine, and he would paint the car. And when he got done with it, it looked very much like it did when it came off of the showroom. It was a restored car. That's kind of what he's talking about here. You see, at one time, this thing was beautiful, and this thing was exactly what it was intended to be, and it reached and accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. But through time, it kind of deteriorated. But someone restored it. Or maybe it's something like this. If you've ever had a uh, broken bone, my wife a few years back broke her ankle. When she broke her ankle, they took her in for surgery, and uh, they put pins and a plate and screws and all. As a matter of fact, every so often I do say she has a screw loose because she says one's kind of coming out a little bit. But they put screws in and all those things to repair the ankle. When they did that, she had this boot that she wore. Have you seen those boots? It's a walking boot. You can put it on. You can actually walk with that boot, but it is not, does not allow your ankle to move at all. It is there to help restore the ankle, to hold it in place until it is healed and mended. Sometimes that's exactly what we do. We come alongside someone, and we're kind of like the boot. We help to hold them where they need to be, hold them accountable, hold them in the place where they ought to be because they are broken believers. And they need compassionate Christians who will come alongside in order to mend them. Come alongside in order to encourage them. Come alongside in order to help them to heal. Let me tell you, people, we have a world right now around us, everywhere that you go, that needs healing. We have a world around us right now that is broken. And they need what we have to offer, and that is a Savior. They need someone to come alongside and help encourage them. I mean, look at the news every night. You see things that are happening in cities like Seattle and Portland. You see the disagreements going on in Washington, D.C. You see a nation and even a world that is struggling right now. Let me tell you what. We have what they need, and that is the saving grace and the message of forgiveness and restoration in Christ Jesus. 
And I firmly believe that the only way that our world and our nation is going to get back to where it needs to be is if we as Christians work to restore people in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's our goal. That's our responsibility. That's what we do as Christians. Sometimes that means you're there to comfort them. Sometimes that means you're there to help discipline. Sometimes that means you just put your arm around them, encourage them. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's even an email or a letter. But something to help show them the love of Christ. Then the last part of this verse says this, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, there's kind of a warning there. And the warning is a warning that just says, be careful. Don't get sucked in with them. Make sure you stand strong. Don't get pulled to their side. Make sure you do what you need to do. You know, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, this applies an awful lot to parenting, doesn't it? All that we've talked about right here. That idea of restoring children sometimes. That idea of sometimes you have to discipline. Sometimes you have to correct. Sometimes they need your encouragement. Sometimes they just need an arm around them. Sometimes they need you to lift them up. But always to be there and love them. Several years ago, many, many years ago, there was a man that rushed into a museum in Amsterdam. He repeatedly slashed one of Rembrandt's most famous paintings. It wasn't very long later on that uh, someone came into St. Peter's Cathedral and he took a hammer and he smashed one of Michelangelo's masterpieces. What do you think they did with those? Do you think because they were damaged, they took them off the wall or they put them in a back room and they just said, you know, we're not going to look at those anymore, they're damaged now? No. They found the best restoration people they could possibly find. And they took the painting to someone who specialized in restoring old artwork and said, we want you to restore this. They took Michelangelo's masterpiece to the best sculptor they could find and said, we want you to restore this as best you can to what it was originally. That's exactly what we do when we restore people. Do we set them aside? Do we put them off? Do we just say, I, you know, I'm done with you, you're broken now? No. We help to restore them. Aren't you glad somebody did that with you? Help to encourage and restore you. There's a second thing you can write this one down that Paul talks about in this whole section. That is, relieve the burdened. You know, when you think about it, spiritual growth is really a project. And the first thing we're called to do is to restore the broken, but then we also need to help relieve the burden. Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The word bear means to kind of lift up, to remove, to lift an overwhelming load that's on you. A burden's like a weight, and sometimes it's just like a, a barbell almost that's weighing down on you, and you're staggering under it through life, and you're trying your best to get through, but you're just having such a hard time with it. And there are a lot of things that may be a burden. Sickness, uh, a sudden tragedy, a feeling of being overwhelmed, personal loss, financial difficulty, broken dreams, failed marriages, kids that have gone away and you never hear from them again and you know they're not doing very well. 
career setbacks, death of a loved one. There are so many burdens that we carry. And I find it significant that when Paul's writing this, he does not focus on what the burden is. He doesn't focus on where it comes from. He focuses on what needs to be done with the burden. Because the burden itself doesn't really seem to matter to him. What matters is that when we see our brother or our sister staggering under a load like that, that we come alongside and we help to lift them up. We help to encourage them and to restore them and relieve the burden. When we help the hurting, do you realize we're actually fulfilling the law of Christ? It's summed up in John chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you also love one another. There are a lot of people carrying heavy burdens right now. Again, because of the coronavirus, I think those burdens are actually greater than they were previous to that. We have, as, as some of you know, our family has a retirement community in North Carolina, and I manage that retirement community. And so I go down uh, once or twice a month, but during COVID, I was actually there every week. I would go down on Wednesday night and come home on Friday. We had a lot of people who carried an awful lot of burdens. We had a lot of people who really hurt. We had some people in our community who passed away because of COVID. We had some family members who were not able to see their mom or their dad for several months before they passed away. We had some people who would come to the windows and they would talk to their loved one through the windows or through the door. We had staff who, who just struggled because of what was going on. They were carrying some heavy, heavy burdens. And that's not unique today, is it? There are a lot of people who are doing that same thing. They're carrying those burdens. And one of the things we do is help relieve the burden. That's part of bearing one another's burdens. It's another one of those one another passages. We do it together. We don't carry it alone. We do it together. There's a third thing I want you to write down. Here's the third one Paul brings out. Repent of bragging. Now let me just ask you. You don't have to raise your hand. Do any of you know braggers? You know, you know somebody that, again, maybe, and don't poke your husband or wife, all right? You know, that'll get all of us in trouble. But you know somebody who brags? Immediately somebody comes to mind, right? Somebody who's a braggart. They tell you about everything they did. They tell you about everything they have. They tell you about every place they went. They tell you about all their successes, and they especially tell you about how much money they have, right? They're a braggart. God knows that, that there are people like that. And sometimes it's tough to deal with them. Sometimes it's tough to put up with them. But listen to what he says in verse 3 and verse 4. For if anyone thinks he is something, boy, that sums it up right there, doesn't it? When he is nothing, and we all know it, right? He deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. See what he's saying? He's saying, don't look at other people. You need to start looking right here. You need to start looking at yourself to make sure that you are not the one who is bragging. It is so easy to look down on our noses at somebody else, isn't it? It is so easy to see what somebody else is doing. It is so easy to look at them and say, look at what they're doing. Listen to how they're bragging. You know, they aren't hot stuff like they think they are. Let me just tell you. wonder what they're saying about me. 
wonder what they're saying about my attitude. I wonder what they're saying about my approach. I wonder what they're saying about the things that I portray and the things that I say. You know, we say things like, um, I knew that was going to happen to you. I saw it coming. Or maybe they'll uh, listen to me next time because if they'd listen to me, they wouldn't be in the situation now. Or I know I, I'd never do something like that. I, I'd, I'd, I'd never get my caught, myself caught up in a situation like that. Have you ever said anything like that? <laughs> maybe we need to start looking at ourselves and repent of our own bragging. If you think you're something special, if you think you've got a reason to stand up and hold your head high sometimes, and I'm not saying belittle yourself, then maybe you need to look again. Because we need to make sure that our attitude is right before we can help restore somebody else. We need to make sure that we are conscious of who we are before we really can step in and encourage someone else. Romans chapter 12 says, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Because when we do, we become conceited and critical of other people. And when they're hurting, you know, we just kind of overlook the hurt. Several, a couple years ago actually, there was a triathlon that took place. And there were two brothers in this triathlon. In the New York Times, here is the very first sentence as they started to tell the story. It said, an elite triathlon race in Mexico ended dramatically with one brother helping another brother across the finish line. You see, Johnny Brownlee of Britain was leading this triathlon. He was in front. He only had a half a mile to go. And as he came around the corner, you could tell that he was struggling. And he came up to this uh, water station, and he wanted to reach out for water, but he couldn't quite make his body do it. And as he began to fall, there was one of the workers there that actually went over and put Johnny's arm around himself and began to hold him up. He was in first place in the triathlon. About that time, you saw two other runners who were not very far behind him. One of them had on a green uniform. The other one had on a uniform that looked just like Johnny's. And the guy in the green uniform ran past Johnny as he took first place, and he was heading, and he could see the finish line. But the second, the guy who had on a uniform just like Johnny did, happened to be Johnny's brother. And as Johnny was struggling, Alistair, the brother, went over and he took Johnny and put Johnny's arm around his neck. And together they began to run toward the finish line. Together they began to go. And together they held each other up. It was interesting, right as they got to the finish line, Alistair, who had been fighting for second place because Johnny was actually in first place, Alistair actually pushed his brother Johnny over the finish line as he fell to the ground first so that he had second place and Alistair came in third place. You see, a lot of us are just like that. We're running the race. Paul even talks about our life as a race. And we're running that race and we're coming along and we can almost see the finish line, but there are times where it seems to be so hard and we're struggling so much and we don't even think we're going to cross the finish line. And we reach out for help and we try to get it, but sometimes we can't even do it. 
and we need somebody to come along and pick us up and help us and carry us across the finish line. That's what this whole one another thing is all about. Each of us crossing the finish line so that we can receive the reward that Christ has for us. Then real quick, there's a fourth thing I want you to write down because Paul brings this out in this section here in Galatians, and that is respect boundaries. He says, you know, we need to respect our boundaries because there are boundaries. Listen to what he says in verse 5. For each will have to bear his own load. We've talked a lot about encouraging other people and looking at other people and helping other people, but you know what? We also have to carry our own load. Our load, it may be small, it may be light, it may be heavy. But one of the things that God does for us is he gives us the strength and the power to carry our load. Because oftentimes he is the one that comes alongside. He is the one that takes our arm and wraps it around his shoulder and he helps us to cross the finish line. We are all struggling at times and it's tough at times and it's hard at times. But if we are together, one another, working together, we will cross the finish line. We will receive the reward. We will stand together before the throne of God. <coughs> There's an old story, a story about a man who actually fell in a pit. He couldn't get himself out of the pit. The empathetic person came along and said, you know, I feel for you down there. The Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall into pits. A gossip wanted to know all the details about the pit. The self-pitying person said, you should see my pit. The legalist said, you deserve your pit. The psychologist said, your parents are to blame because you're in the pit. The self-help therapist said, believe in yourself and you can get out of the pit. An optimist said things could get worse. A pessimist said things could never be worse than they are right now. Jesus, seeing the man, though, reached down and took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. You know, you are that hand that oftentimes reaches down to someone else to bring them up out of the pit. And here's the question today. Will you partner with Jesus to restore the broken, to relieve the burdened, Repent of your bragging. Have a healthy respect for boundaries. Be the person that reaches down to bring somebody else up out of the pit. Aren't you thankful that God is a God of restoration? And He's in the business of restoring people to Himself. He doesn't give up on us and we give up on ourselves. He doesn't give up on us when we fall and we fail. He doesn't give up or stop loving us when we don't even love ourselves anymore. He is the one who's still reaching down and hoping that we will reach up to grab his hand so he can pull us out of the pit. You know, if you know Jesus through new birth and through accepting Christ, then you know what that means to be lifted up out of the pit. If you've never felt that before, then maybe today is the day for you to be, take that first step and say, I want to know something about this. I want to know what you're talking about because I feel like I'm in the pit. And I have all those people standing above me looking down on me, but nobody's really helping me. We as a church family want to help you because we want to be the hand of Christ that reaches down to pull you up out of the pit.
You see, as we close this whole series we've been doing on one another, we've been talking about together the things that we do. It is not a matter of standing alone. It is a matter of standing together serving Christ. Pray with me. God, we're grateful and thankful that you have reached down for each of us to pull us out of the pit. You have reached down for each of us to show us what it means to be a part of the family. You encourage us and you help us and you strengthen us, but you also give us a responsibility to stand together as we serve you and as we follow you. Lord, I'm thankful and grateful that we as a church family can be a light that shines and help those who need someone to reach down to them to be your hand that touches the life of people around us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.